Hello, and welcome to the War Report, and this is my favorite time of year. It's war game season, baby. Uh, recording this late night, had to watch the, the Jeezy and Gucci uh, verses, but uh, we gonna get into it though, regardless of the night, I'm feeling rather okay. So let's just go straight to In the Trenches. We have some s small news before we get to the the big one that literally came out uh, hours before I was going to record. So, uh, you know, had to wait a little bit so I could get this together. Honestly, I kind of wish I missed it now because it's, it's, it's getting a lot to talk about more and more and I don't want this recording to go into midnight, but neither here nor there. But we're going to start out with... Um, FTR has been named the number one tag team by uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrator. Big Cow. Uh, how in the hell did they beat Kenny, and Ome uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page? I don't even think they're the best tag team on AEW. So that that's so weird that they got the number one. Uh... When Moxley was listed as number one, I didn't really mind. Like, I can see it, I guess, even though I do think there's a lot of other contenders that definitely caught their, a lot of their stride towards the end of 2019. But, you know, Moxley getting it, I guess, is not, like, that bad of a choice. But this is a bad choice. There's, like, Kabuki Warriors, Role Models, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page... Uh, Lucha Bros like really puzzles me that they got it and I know that guy Greg is not going to like when he hears that but a uh, number one kind of insane to me <laughs> and you know they always list the criterias but whatever it, it doesn't truly matter but next topic on the NXT side Alistair Black requested to move back to NXT now I don't think that there is a place for him on NXT currently because literally everybody is twiddling their thumbs as they're waiting for Finn Balor to return. Like, just think about the mid card right now and like think where Alistair like even like lands on that shit. So we have Cameron Grimes, Loomis, Thatcher, Kushida, uh, Swerve Scott, Bronson Reed. Damian Priest, kinda. Who else? Just well, like that's like seven off rip already. Like, wh where where does Alistair even fit into things? With you know, Balor just kind of not being around, you know. So it's just like I, I definitely think like it probably would have been a bad move if he would have came into NXT when carrying you know, possibly, like, got injured and then, like, vacated it, like, that probably would have been, like, a really bad time. Like, in the past, like, three months, I don't think that there is a decent slot for Aleister Black to fit in, so it probably would have been a bad idea for him to go back to uh, NXT. But I understand possibly not too happy with how things are going on the main roster, but NXT wouldn't have been a great move either, honest honestly. And back to AEW, we have NWA's women's champion Serena Deves saying that the AE, 
AEW women's roster deals with a lack uh, deals a lot with inexperience. I know a lot of people were just like, you know, just kind of wholeheartedly agreeing with her, but I do think that there is some truths and some like, I guess, non-truths to that statement. The full statement uh, after she says that she begins to say that just putting the women on TV is not good enough. Like they're just not ready and like it will result in a lot of injuries and she's kind of right with like a lot of injuries because you know we lost Britt Baker for a long time and we lost Chris Statlander for a really long time hopefully she comes back soon but there is a like there is a lot of experienced women on the AEW roster they might not be able to you know quote unquote talk but like they could surely put on a good match if need be and is that not all what the AEW crowd kind of wants? Like, why would you need anything else, really? Like, I, I get that, like, Hikaru Shida probably isn't, like, the best talker because, you know, sorry if this is problematic, but, like, you know, her English isn't, like, amazing or anything. But in experience, we have people like, sorry, Ivelisse, uh, Ali. Penelope Ford, who who's uh, rather experienced. I want to say she has like too much experience, but you know, we have. They definitely have people that have been on TV, like at other places, and definitely could like help. You know, sort of like help a lot of the women that deal with that inexperience. You know, like Hikaru Shida might not be the best talker on the mic, but like get her with Ivelisse, who has been on TV before. You know, uh, I get I don't I don't know Ali's uh, much about her impact stuff, but like you know she has that experience with being on impact. You know, so like putting them out there can't really hurt that much, to be honest. Especially like if it's like talking segments or something. Like it doesn't have to always be wrestling, like. How are you going to learn on the job if you're never given the opportunity to do so? Is more or less what I'm trying to say. So I agree with Serena Deves. There is a lot of inexperience, uh, inexperience on um, the AEW's women's division. But just casting them to the side doesn't truly help the issue either. So hopefully uh, AEW can truly do something about that in the future or maybe she's just echoing the thoughts of what she's heard from other AEW higher-ups and speaking of AEW higher-ups we have to talk about the story of Louis Benson a former AEW employee who has made a tweet thread talking about the mistreatment by the hands of AEW management and noting uh, Cody Rhodes I believe that he is a former video editor. He talks about uh, creating video packages and stuff like that on the AEW side and talks about how they did not want to credit some of the uh, some of the people that worked on the projects and they only featured their name in it because they were bitching and whining and I think that's insane. Um, 
He says that he was uh, not allowed to talk to anybody in the roster and was being bullied and gaslit by the company. Wait, what else did I write down here? I kind of did it out of order. I don't know why. <laughs> okay, so he was told that he would not be credited for his work. He could not post on social media about his work. And he couldn't be in the same space as Cody Rhodes while like Cody was around. Like he just had to like go into a closet or something. Says that Cody thought that Benton was a stalker fan because he was wearing an uh, an all-in shirt and upper management isolated Benson from the rest of his employees prior to quarantine. Now, I was typing all that out. And as I was typing it out, I go back to the group chat. People are pulling up all sorts of tweets from this individual. We have racist bigot tweets. And we have, yes, very much weird creepy could be taken as a stalker tweet kind of like the standard wrestling sort of thing where he kind of just tweeted more or less that he would like to have uh, a cody barbecue so uh a cody rhodes barbecue so he can have cody's meat in his mouth now <laughs> The racist and the uh, the racist and bigotry stuff, yeah, like not good at all. But I don't think that discredit was he what he said uh, what he said and how he was treated by the company. Also with the creepy Cody stuff, like I understand Cody not wanting to be around that. He basically hit him with the Max B and didn't want to be around him. But <laughs> that doesn't excuse. Him not being able to talk about his work, being isolated by his co-workers, not being credited what he does, being asked to work 40 hours. Oh, I, I believe he said 60 hours without any extra pay. That's some bullshit right there. And a lot, uh, some other, I guess, other AEW employees are saying, like, don't, uh, don't believe everything you read and stuff like that. But he has pulled up proof and text messages, not even covering up the names like he's just outright like he has their contacts kind of just out there i'm not one of those people that are just like oh you know that could have easily been edited like anybody could have went in photoshop and like you know did some stuff like that like i've done it before but i never the screens that he showed i don't know what phone interface that is i haven't used the android in years but it does look a little wonky but i'm not going to be one of those people that be like oh those are edited those are fake Real or true, I definitely think that this sh kind of sheds a spotlight that like not everything is peaches and cream over on the AEW side, at least. But in the end of his, of his thread, he was just like, I'm not trying to garner some anti-AEW stuff or like trying to bash the company and stuff like that. Like I, I do think that he's he kind of want still wants his job. Like he still likes to work for All Elite Wrestling, but like just wants to be treated better. And I've certainly have had those sort of work meetings before or discussions with other co-workers before, so I feel him, but the racist and bigotry stuff is <laughs> not going to make you look like an, in, in a positive light. So uh, I can't say good luck on your future endeavors, bruh, but uh, hopefully, um, you know. Now, let's get into NXT. Eight fighters 
Two teams of four. I think, gentlemen, you know how this goes. We're going to do the NXT thing a little differently this time around because we're going to do the we're going to do the quick hits first. I, I just I don't know. I just felt like it would be like a better structure to do. So we're going to do the quick hit, uh, the quick hits first, starting out with the blindfold match between Cameron Grimes and Dexter Loomis. I thought this was one of the silliest matches I have ever seen all week. I truly liked how this match played out with Cameron Grimes really being on, on his toes and like Dexter Loomis just standing still. And I just could not stop laughing when Cameron Grimes really just started beating the hell out of the ref and thought he could get like kind of sort of the upper hand on Dexter Loomis and try to hit the cave in with his blindfold off. But it's it, it's a nice, nice little match. Well, I'm a, let's put match in quotation marks, can we? Uh... I definitely thought this was like a cool little like road bump to like, you know, the road to war games, which will be on December 6th. And I don't think it hurt either of them. I thought it was a good use of and it like if they wanted like a time filler on NXT, this was this was a good one. I, I, I truly did like it. Next thing, Wade Barrett will not be on the show next week and we'll be getting Kevin Owens on commentary. I think this is really cool. I think Kevin Owens has done some really good commentary stuff in the past. I don't think he's going to be kind of too overbearing like Jericho is on AEW. So that should be really cool and fun. And if Undisputed Era has a segment next week, I think that should be really fun how he like gasses up uh, Undisputed Era. Team Ninja versus LeRae and Indy Hartwell. NXT needs new jobbers just yeah I, I i just like they need new jobbers i'm tired of seeing team team ninja like they they always get beat and there's no true like i don't know it, it's just like whenever i see him it's just like well this is my time to like kind of do anything else right now like this is my bathroom break match or like whatever match they're a part of because like whatever they do doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things like i guess it they did like some stuff that kind of worked with xia Li, but like now xia Li hasn't been seen and we're gonna get to that as well but um i do think that the team of indy hartwell and candice array is also very weird because candice array prior to the eo shirai match she was just like i been betrayed by everybody that i kept close to me and now I'm just going to focus on myself and do my own thing. Then she keeps 
Indy Hartwell right by her side. Someone who was possibly stronger and is definitely more taller than her. So definitely could get the upper hand on a, in a fight. <laughs> but I, I'm just confused where Candice LeRae was kind of just like on her toes about like trusting people and then like instantly started trusting Indy Hartwell because she bought her a TV and then failed to help her win the NXT Women's Championship. And then helped her run over Shanti Blackheart Singh. You know, stuff like that. No need to get into all the greedy details. But I hope that Candice Ray is kind of on her toes. And then she doesn't get betrayed again. Or like she betrays Indy Hartwell first. Something like that. But hopefully they don't just run the big sister gets kind of uh, betrayed again. Because whatever. And I think I may not be the biggest fan of Candice Ray, But I do think that. Indy Hartwell can definitely like benefit from being around her. Definitely, for sure. And the last of the quick hits, William Regal shows up to Boa's house and Boa looks like he hasn't slept in days. Zia Lee hasn't been seen. He hasn't shown up to work. And I'm curious what is this going to be because she is coming. I wonder who that she is. I don't know. When I was thinking about who she was, I was just like, oh man, you know, like, what if they did, like, some cool, like, everybody's, like, speculating that this is a Yakuza type thing, so, like, I'm gonna go with that as well. Like, what if this was, like, a cool Yakuza type thing, and, like, the big boss is, like, Mako Satomura? And I know everybody loves Mako Satomura, and that's, like, the first thing that everybody's, like, minds kind of go towards, but it could literally be anybody, and I'm excited to see who it is. Like I said earlier, War Games is on December 6th. It's looking like Undisputed Arab versus uh, Pat McAfee's gang. I think they're called For the Brand. Terrible name. But now we're going to get into the North American title scene. I absolutely love what they're doing with Leon Ruff. Him winning the title last week was really great. Him trying to prove himself that he deserves to be champion against uh, Johnny Gargano in the rematch. Him sticking up to Damian Priest and saying, like, you know, if I would have lost out there before you interfered, then maybe I shouldn't be North American Championship, uh, North American Champion. So I, I really like that as well. You know, just keeping it real and honest. And towards the end of the night where Leon Ruff is just like, fuck y'all too. I'm approve what I'm about. And I don't need, like, you know, I don't need Damian Priest to have my back. And I'm going to beat both of y'all. Kind of like, I hope he retains. But, like, kind of like shooing them away from the North American title scene. And I think that's really cool. Like, definitely has the potential to be a really good babyface. And I hope they stick to this like they should have done for Drake Maverick. Because once Drake Maverick lost that match against Santos Escobar, it was kind of just over after that. So hopefully they stick with the Leon Ruff thing. Oh, no. Not Eos. Uh, Tony Storm, Ember Moon versus Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. I was wrong. I'll say that I admit to being wrong. It is not Storm. It is not Tony Storm and Shotzi Blackheart versus Raquel and uh, Dakota Kai. I think that's really great. 
giving these two women something to do is fantastic. Like, uh, I they're possibly not going to be around the title scene like anytime soon because it's kind of war game season. So, you know, uh, that's what everything is like, kind of just being focused on currently. So they might just be on the same war games team, but that's like about it. Like, neither here nor there. I thought the tag match was great. I'm glad there's something for these uh, these four wounds to do, and I believe, oh man, I believe Candice LeRae comes out towards the end and kind of sets up something for War Games. I guess it's going to be Dakota Kai, Dakota Kai, Raquel, Candice, and Candice and Indy Hartwell versus Tony Storm, Ember Moon. Shotzi Blackheart. Oh shit. Hmm. Rio Ripley. Hmm. Am I missing somebody? Feel free to scream at your phones and I'll probably hear you. But uh maybe Rio Ripley. Uh no, I can't think of anybody else. So it kind of just like has to be her or EO. Who knows? Um now we're going to go into the Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai match for the NXT Championship. I didn't like Io Shirai being kind of like aided to during the whole commercial break. Like while they're in picture in picture. That's a small nitpick I have. That's about it. I thought this match was like amazing. Like it truly didn't disappoint. I see Io carrying this title until the next year and... Tony Storm might be the first, like, well, like, might be like the next contender after War Games. And for Rhea Ripley, you know, on this show, I don't like to just say call them up because, you know, we can say that about literally anybody for the longest time and it kind of just like never happens. But, um, if Rhea Ripley doesn't get called to fill those slots for the SmackDown Survivor Series team because I believe they still have two spots. If it's not her and Charlotte, it might be it might be a little funky. I, I definitely think it should be those two. And I hope she's just not like around slumming it up on NXT until like the Royal Rumble. Like I definitely think that like Rhea Ripley should probably get out of there soon because there's true like there's nobody new coming up so no uh no need and honestly like let her get called up to the smackdown survivor series team as a free agent because i think they might need somebody on raw since uh <laughs> What was it? Chelsea Green got injured in the first move of her match. So we'll see how that goes. But hopefully Rhea Ripley does something too uh, soon. And it's just she's just not like floating around aimlessly on NXT like a lot of people are. Well, a lot of people in the men's division are. Pat McAfee claims are disputed. Finn Balor comes out and talks to the people after Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley. Pat McAfee tries to talk his big shit against Balor. I think Balor truly gave him some bars. I, I really like the bar where he was just like, the mouse's 
really get to play when the cat like the cat isn't home like something like that but i thought that was a really cool line and then undisputed era comes out and they just if they would if there was a oh man i wish there were crowds like i wish this wasn't a pandemic i wish there was a crowd because that pop would have literally been insane uh but undisputed era is back you know take a couple weeks off and they came back as huge baby faces unclear if Balor is medically clear to go or not because he kind of just did the reveal for Undisputed Era and let them take it so he might just not be a part of War Games and I'm okay with that the War Games game usually takes the there's usually not a NXT championship match at War Games because the NXT champion is usually in the War Games match. So not having Balor there, I think that's completely okay, right? Yeah. That's it for NXT. We're going to get into AEW. Your dizzy ass up here looking real confused. So let me spell this out for you. You up in my house, smacking your gums at my man. And now you my problem. All right, same as NXT. We're going to get into some quick hits here. Deeb versus Thunder Rosa. The, like I said before, the NWA uh, women are truly carrying the AEW women's division. I thought this match was truly stellar. Like I thought this was a better match that she had with Allison Kay uh, at full gear. A little confused with the involvement of Britt Baker there. It's okay. I don't know. Actually, I don't know if it's okay, it's okay or not because I don't want Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa to be fighting when I definitely think either of those two should truly be the next women's champion. Like, they should definitely be, like, fucking up Hukaru Shida right now instead of, like, fucking up each other. But it is what it is. We'll see how that goes. Inner Circle takes Las Vegas. AEW reenacts the first hangover. If you found it funny, more power to you. Kip Sabian versus Orange Cassidy. We're definitely going to get the Orange Cassidy versus Miro match soon. So that's going to be really cool. That's going to be fun for the most part. Oh, I hope that doesn't I hope that doesn't happen the same Oh, you know, it might happen that uh December 2nd, the same day that Kenny Omega and Kenny Omega and John Moxley are gonna have their match. Yeah, so possibly in uh, two weeks. Should be good. Should be great. Young Bucks versus Top Flight. Top Flight definitely a impressive team here. Uh, you you know, <laughs> you know when people in the elite beat like the up-and-coming younger guys and then after that they do the handshake like oh my god like this guy's the next big thing like look out for them after i just kicked their ass like sometimes it just don't truly work for me like i wasn't expecting top flight to like take the AEW championships but i definitely think like a different team probably should have broke them in like i think like possibly scu should have probably like broke them in instead of the bucks but it is what it is. I definitely, I thought the match was great and I thought the match was good. The post-match, I'm just like, what's going on? The hybrid two come out and attack top flight and not attack the Young Bucks. 
very confusing to me. If you want to make a statement and get your championship shot, you should have just, after the match, you should have just cracked Matt Jackson in the back of his head. And then you would have been on TV possibly every week. That would have been gold. They're, they're probably going to be on TV anyway. And that might be the feud going forward, probably. But then that also just looks kind of more silly because you beat up these new kids that already lost for no reason when you could have just attacked the champion. You get what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how to really word it right now because it's late. But like, y'all know what I'm thinking. Just it's ridiculous. Like, why didn't you just attack the champion instead of attacking the two losers that have nothing? To get your title shot like it's just weird like that's insane to me but uh that's it for the quick hits Pac and blade have their match i am glad that blade is okay from his bunkhouse match last week regained on his blood and he's good to go i thought this match was really good i think blade is a really good talent i do i do like butcher and blade i'm not even gonna front i do think that they're two talent uh talented wrestlers i've never seen their I, do they have tag team stuff prior in the indies? I've never seen it. I've only seen them wrestle individually. And I think uh, I think they're both okay. But my prediction was correct. I love being right. Kingston keep forcing Penta to turn on his brother. Blood is thicker than water, bruh. Kingston uh, just kind of just dug his own grave, I guess. But we see the break. Uh, we see the break of the Kingston family, and Jeff J was also right that we see the <laughs> we see the uh, reunion of Death Triangle. <laughs> I don't. I I I don't want to say I don't like Death Triangle. I just find it weird that there's so much attachment to them when they only been like a tag for two weeks before like COVID hit, but. I do think that Kingston trying to make Pentagon Jr. turn on Phoenix, like turn on his blood, definitely helps him get away from that and reform with Death Triangle. So we have a new trios team or just like a new stable come back together. And I think that's great, honestly. Uh, I just hope that the match between Eddie Kingston and Pac is going to be good. You know, they probably might have, like, a multi-man match, like, the week before, uh, the week before December 2nd. So, like, next week, my mind, next week for Thanksgiving, like, a Thanksgiving special, I guess. Like, it could be a main event. Why not? But next, we're going to get into the contract signing between Kenny Omega and, well, kinda, John Moxley. Uh, earlier in the show, I guess... John Moxley announces that Renee Young is pregnant. Congrats to her. Golf claps. Now, this contract signing, very weird, very awkward. I've never seen a contract signing like this where there was seriously, like, no tension, no flair. Just, I feel like they could have just did this in a boardroom without the cameras honestly so kenny omega comes out does his thing he got the sweepers dancing with the brooms comes out 
we're waiting for, we're waiting for John Moxley to come so he could come sign the title uh sign the contract as well but he is knocked out backstage and has to be put on a stretcher and they allude that he may have neck problems that makes sense to y'all cuz uh I don't, I don't I don't know what's going on it, is there a report that somebody could tell me about that I should be like be privy to? I don't really be reading third sheet like that. Uh, like that, I like to. Uh, I've been watching Power Rangers instead, but uh, I, I I don't get it. And then they see that Moxley is like hurt, and they just like cut back to the camera. And then Kenny just kind of does like a. It seemed like an improvised promo because he truly didn't say anything of note, or you know, did it in character. And then they just sign. And then it's over. I just, I just thought it was like so weird. <laughs> if you like, you could watch the segment on YouTube and then you're just like, oh, that's it. Uh, no stare down, no promo on each other or anything like that. It's just some really standard stuff. But we're going to end the AEW segment with Will Hobbs finally joining Team Taz. After the match with Darby, uh, after after Team Taz's match with Cody and Darby Allen, Cody, well, Team Taz gets the win. Cody comes out and starts attacking Ricky Starks. Brian Cage starts pounding on him, and then Will Hobbs comes and brings up Team Taz's number game, and I think that's great, honestly. I think this is a great team for him to join. Like, they all kind of just have the same look, I guess. Except Ricky Starks, I guess. But, I don't know. I, I just think they really, truly just pair well with each other. Like, they're just like a fuck ton of powerhouses. With uh, Ricky Starks being more of like the athletic guy. Well, they're all sort of athletic. But, nonetheless, I think they're a good group. I just think that they just need to buck... They just need to book team Taz better and then they could fully utilize the strength of this group so possibly going into the next year or towards uh more towards Christmas we can see more from team Taz going forward but we'll see how that goes and that is it for the war report it is war game season I am happy follow us at our uh, RNC Radio Live, the A Show RNC on Twitter. You can find, follow me on Twitter at H underscore Visibility. On this network, we also have shows like the Rewriters Room that talk about uh, some Undertaker and Survivor Series stuff. The A Show talking about Survivor Series period. Spot callers, we're gonna we're in the Impact Zone because uh, Justin just got charged again for Impact Plus. And we have something special for the G Show, new name pending, and should be fun, should, should be interesting. Have a happy holidays, uh, happy Thanksgiving. We're only celebrating the food, we don't care about that other stuff. I don't think I'll be coming back next week, I think I'm gonna take a week off. To be decided. Who knows? I already said it. I'm probably not going to cut it out. So I'm probably just going to take a week off. So I will see you guys next week. And then we'll be talking about Kenny Omega and John Moxley.
See ya.